the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to Episode 170 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. Andrew and I are on Twitter. I am at Justin Hughes 365. Andrew is at AMCQ82. And our Baseball 365 Podcast official Twitter account is at Baseball365Pod. All right, it's part two of the shortstop preview. Andrew and I just recorded part one the other day. It came out on Saturday. And that episode has where we touch on shortstops 1 through 15 in the NFBC rankings. So if you haven't listened to that yet, maybe go listen to that one first and then come back to this one. But here we talk about every shortstop after 15. So hope you enjoy. Um, 16 and 17 are also guys we talked about on the second base podcast, and these were in part two. If you're wanting to hear about them, Tyro Estrada, at 137 and Tommy Edmond, who's second short and outfield eligible at 160. And then we move on to the next cluster where we have Trevor Story at 177, Willie Adamas at 187, and Ezekiel Tovar, 196. So these are the last three in the top 200. We got Trevor Story, who came back from Tommy John late in 2023. He hit 203, 250, 316 triple slash with three homers and 10 steals. But Steamer's still optimistic here with a 233 batting average and 21 homers and 22 steals. So if Story does that, he's a clear value here. But do you think he can? I've actually, uh, I've actually drafted Story, I think, once or twice. And no, I don't think he can. I, I, I think, <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's unlikely. I shouldn't say he can't. I think he could probably, but um, I think the projection is extremely aggressive. Um, yeah, walk rate has gone from nine point three to eight point nine to eight point one, down to five point four last year. Granted, only forty three games last year. K rate at the same time has gone up. 23%, 30%, 32% last year. Um, I don't really know how much I trust him to stay healthy at this point. Obviously, he's getting a little bit older. Uh, what did he have? A 48 WRC plus for the season. So it's it hard bad. to, yeah, it was bad. It's hard to really know how much to put into that season that he had because it was only like a fourth of a season or a third of a season. But it was really bad. Uh, And the year before, it's not like he was great, but he was pretty good per game and stuff. So, yeah, all that to say, I I think Story's kind of a mixed bag. I could see it going several ways. I think the main thing is just staying on the field. And if he does that, I think he's probably likely to help some in fantasy but uh, the batting average probably won't be the best. Um, mostly just hoping for him to stay healthy at this spot. 
I actually don't even question the health with this guy. Like, he's got a history of being healthy, and it was this Tommy John surgery. I think it was the first thing he's really dealt with throughout his career that's really put him out for any length amount of time. And I completely will wipe away what he did last year. I think of Bryce Harper, and both of those guys had Tommy John surgery. And if you look at Bryce Harper's first two months back, he was okay, but he was not Bryce Harper. The power was not there. And, you know, if you look at Story, he looks like not too much different than what he was before, except with less power. The power was not there. And, yeah, if it was me thinking about what I expect from him, I think he's going to be in the high teens and homers. Maybe he gets up over 20. Batting average will be poor. I I expect, like, 220 to 240-ish. What's he projected? 233. So, yeah, I didn't even look at that when I said it, but... I don't think the batting average is going to be great, but I think he could be 20-30. Like, he stole 10 bags in 40 games last year, and that's under the new rules. He's always been a guy who runs. We haven't seen him play under these new rules to where I think he can approach 20-30 and, you know, have himself, you know, around 70 runs, 70 RBI, something like that. And, yeah, I am. I think I'm going to end up with a lot of shares of story this year, personally. I was going to say, if you, if you think that, um, you should be you should be taking him on every team. I mean, ever since ever since I looked at the steamer projections the first time and I really started thinking about him, I'm two for two and taking him. So I oh, got him. Okay. I've got him in the auction and I took him in that last draft. So yeah, I think this is going to be a guy I'm going to have a lot of shares of. Um, Willie Damas, you know, like I just touched on him. What do you think about Willie Adamas and Tovar? You have any thoughts on either one of them? Uh, Adamus, Adamus has actually been really consistent. Uh, last three years, he's had between eleven and thirteen percent barrel rate. Bad expected batting average has been two thirty six to two forty all three years. Um, his actual batting average has fluctuated a little bit, just you know variation, BABIP variation and stuff. But um, generally around ten percent walk. I feel like he's pretty much – I feel like Adamus is pretty much a lock to be like 240, mid to upper 20s in homers, which he's been 25, 31, and 24 the last three years. Five to eight steals, 10% walk. Like that's pretty much what Adamus has been. I think he'll probably be similar to that. Um, I don't see any like real cause for concern and – as you know, in comparison to what he's been. So he did fall off from the previous season, but I also thought the previous season was kind of a high watermark for him. So yeah, I think, he, I think you should get pretty much what I'm saying, like 240, upper twenties, mid to upper twenties in homers and upper, you know, five to eight steals, five to 10 steals, something like that. Yeah. He, he's one that feels he is what he is. Like, look at what he did yeah. last year in the last few years, and that feels like what you should project. It all looks pretty legit. Yep. And then with Tovar, um, I like Tovar just for the fact of how young he is. I mean, he's – I think people just forget how how young the guy is. I mean, he is – he will be 23 – or he won't be 23 – until next August. He's always been young for the level. Uh, 15 homers, 11 steals last season. So, yeah, I think he 
can have, you know, a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, decent batting average. He doesn't like wow you, but he's also young enough that who knows, you know, I could see him making strides too. I mean, um, especially when you give him the ballpark, the everyday playing time, which he has now. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind Tovar either. Yeah. Tovar is one where he wasn't this high strikeout guy in the minors. He never had a strikeout rate over 21% and any of his stops as he come up and yeah, they're all hitter parks. They're all really good hitting areas, hitting parks, except double a, but Colorado is too. And, you know, yeah. it was 27% with an, it doesn't walk much, but I just feel like he's going to be one that's going to improve on that. And if he doesn't, what he did this last year's fine production for what you're paying for him to where, yeah, I like this price for him too, just because I feel like if he repeats it, you're fine and there's room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what I think. I always laugh. Yeah. He was the 13th best fantasy shortstop in Roto last year. Really? So yeah, I think. Yeah, I think this is, I think this is, that, that's just based on uh, fan tracks. I don't have the auction dollars pulled up, but um, I always laugh though when you were saying about uh, the ballparks for the Rock, like Rockies prospects. When people say, "Oh, they play in all hitters parks in the minors," well, guess what? They play in in the majors too. Like, why do people say that? It's like they're coming up and they're hitting in these, you know, like they're playing on the moon. And they got these crazy numbers. Well, that's what Coors is, too. You know, it's like. Sometimes I struggle yeah. with that. I struggle because it's hard to know how much skill there is when you're going against really weak competition down there. But yeah. that, like, as compared to you get to the majors and you're at least facing better competition. But on the same note, like, you're right about that. You're playing in Coors, and that's a nice advantage. I, The Colorado Rockies prospects are the hardest ones for me to figure out whenever I'm like, as I'm looking at minor league talent. (laughs) Well, yeah, the number, the numbers always seem to jump off the page, but it just always makes me laugh because it's like, yeah, he's producing in hitters parks and that's what he's going to be in when he gets to the bigs too. I mean, I know what I get what you're saying though about weaker competition, just something I've thought of in the past. No, it's it's the other valid point. I think both of them are valid points, and it's why I, I don't know how to rank these guys because they're both true in my opinion. All right, uh, next up we're going to go through the 21 through 25 on the shortstops. Uh, Luis Ringifo's in the middle. He was discussed on second base part two, so I'll jump over him. But Jackson Holiday at 220 overall. Uh, Jeremy Pena at 222. Then at 24 we got Vaughn Grissom who is at 253, and Carlos Correa is at 258. All right, Jackson Holiday. He's yet to debut, but he could be up opening day. Andrew, if I told you he was going to be up opening day and given the starter job, what kind of stat line would you project him for if you were drafting him? Uh, I would say in year one, I would expect like – 265 to 270. Uh, 14 home runs is what I wrote down. And about 20 steals. I'd be a pretty good player right there. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's a pretty good player. Um, I, I think with Holiday, I actually think and this is weird to say, but I think that once they, if they were to say, like, let's say we get to spring 
and they were to say he's making the team, I think I'll be completely out because of where I expect it to go from there. Yeah, I don't. Like I don't. A sixth, seventh round player, eighth yeah, round player. Yes, yes, because so. Okay, Jackson Holiday, great prospect, top, arguably the number one prospect, but if he isn't, he's two, three, four, whatever. Uh, 20 years old, in 145 minor league games to this point, since he's been a pro, he's got 13 homers. Um, and I think it's all about when he's up, but like even if he's up for the whole season, if he starts opening day, I don't. I still just don't think it's going to be like this crazy power right away, you know? And I, and I think long-term he's going to be as good as anybody. I think, you know, he could be Corey Seager in his prime, you know, Mm -hmm. like just total stud with the bat. Um, And he's going to run. I I do think he'll run like right away, you know, early on, but I just, I wouldn't be that surprised if like all this helium happened once he got, got announced that he was going to play. And then you look up in June or July and he's got like six homers or something, you know, seven homers. Like it's just batting average. I think should be pretty good. He's a good hitter, um, you know, good approach at the plate and all that stuff. But yeah, I just wonder about it. I, I actually think I like it more now because it's, I took him in my first draft. I want to say it was round 16 or 17 or something, but, um, I think I'm less likely to take him if that helium starts coming and pushing him way up. Cause I just don't think that it's likely to be extremely loud from day one with him, but I could definitely be wrong on that. He's talented enough to do it. Just kind of my read on that situation. I think I've said something similar. I think you did actually, I should say that. Sorry to cut you. You, you actually mentioned that to me a while back. And I started thinking about it, and really it helped develop my opinion. So, yeah, I should give you props for that for sure. Wow. It's usually the other way around. I'm usually the one influenced by your thoughts. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, Wanda Franco is kind of, it reminds me of Wanda Franco when he came up in terms of that's what I think about in terms of a guy that's a good player right out of the gate, but maybe not what some of the dreamers are hoping in terms of the, the, you know, the power speed. And yeah, I think Jackson Holiday is going to be a great player. I've taken him in one draft already, and it's not one of those players I'm seeking out. I'm glad I got a share, just in case I'm like, just because it'll be fun to have a share of him. But on the same note, I'm not seeking him out, I would say. I think he, and if he moves up, like you just said, I'll be out too. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't mind his cost too much now. It's just, it's more so like wondering, when do you think he, when do you think he debuts? Or do you got any any opinion on that? I don't have a strong opinion on it. I don't think it's going to be long regardless. Um, you know, a few of these American League guys, I think it helps because what I don't do you remember the rule? Like, or do you have to finish like top three in rookie of the year voting to get that extra compensation? I think I think so. I'm not positive exactly, but I, that sounds right. So he's top capable three, of that. So that might oh yeah, he, that might incentivize him up to be up opening day. But I honestly, I'd be like, I'd be pretty surprised if it was beyond April, and before he debuted. I I feel like he's going to get 140 games if he stays healthy at least. Yeah. 
So yeah. Yeah, and I'm, what do you think about my 14 homers? Do you think that's close to what you would say? Yeah, I'm probably more like I'm not far off. I'm more 10 to 12, but I, so yeah. in other words, I'm close. And I'd probably under the steals a tick too. But again, like if it was me, I'd be thinking 12 homers, maybe 15 to 17 steals. Yeah. So, so again, fair. we're not far off with that. Um, what about the other three? We got Jeremy Pena, we got Vaughn Grissom, we got Carlos Correa. All three of them were disappointments for where they were drafted last year. Do you like any of these guys' bounce back candidates here as like a middle infield position? Uh, I, I probably at this moment would be most likely to take Grissom just because of the, I feel like I know less of what he is. And like with, like with Pena, I think he's similar, like projections are similar to Tovar, um, who I did say I liked, but keep in mind, Tovar's 22, Pena's 26, um, I don't see as much upside with Pena really. Barrel rate went from 9.7% to 4%. Also, I didn't completely believe in the good version of Jeremy Pena when it was mm-hmm. happening, so it's hard to believe in it now. Um, with Grissom, I think he's a total wild card that could really pay off but also could just not be anything. It, it's hard to say, but I don't mind taking a stab on him in this in this range. Uh, 135 WRC plus last year in 102 games at triple a 64 games in his major league career. He's been, he's been just okay, but I mean, he's 23 obviously gets traded to Boston. So the path is more clear for him to play now. And there's obviously some intrigue with that. And then with Correa, I really, uh, I really don't have much interest in him. Um, I still think there's a little bit of power upside with him that, you know, it hasn't really I think he's got 22 homers and 18 homers the last couple years, but um, I think that he could beat that. But the guy hasn't stole a base since 2019, and I'm not I'm not typically trying to put zeros at, in steals at, in middle infield slots too much. Unless it's just, like I said, unless it's like Corey Seager or something like that, you know, where I'm getting, I mean, it's, it's not like Carlos Correa's power is blowing me away to where I can do it, you know? So yeah, I'm not, I'm not really interested in Correa, but just a few of my thoughts with some of those guys. You like any of them? Uh, not really. I mean, Correa would be the, of the one of the three I'd probably be most likely, but really I don't want any of them. Uh, Pena's swing it flattened out. I'm with you. I wasn't a big fan looking at drafts last year. And yeah, it felt like he more became who you and I thought he was as compared to like, can he rebound? This is more what we feel about him. Grissom, I've, you've heard me say this before, and I think this might be an unfair comp, but when I think of him, I think about how poor of a shortstop he was. And I can't help but remind it of Willie Calhoun, a guy who raked in the minors, didn't strike out much, had some hitting tools, but he wasn't much of a defender. And he showed a little bit at times, but overall he just disappointed. And I don't see a lot of butt pop in the bat with Grissom. Not really interested in him with the ADP, which has moved up since he was traded a spot or and a spot seemed to be opened up for him in Boston. And then Correa, you know, he in 2022 he hit 291 with 22 homers in 136 games. He hit 279 with 26 homers the year before in his final season in Houston. 
And his StatCast data doesn't look too much different on the Fangraph site. But that said, he's dealing with a plantar fascia now. And there's been a lot of guys over the years that have had that, and that's just crippled them for years. And that might be part of his problem. He just can't run anymore. And that's going to hurt you in, like, the batting average. Because, like, let me see if I can pull up his page quick. I, I think he hit really close to 200 and his expected batting average, I know it was lower than years past, but it wasn't 200. Let's see here. StatCast. Oh, come on, Paige. There we go. StatCast, his, he hit 230, and his expected batting average was 250. And every other year before, like it was 276 and 296 the years before. But, man, if you told me I could get like a 250 hitter within the mid-20s and homers, that's not bad. But, I don't know, I do get a little worried about a guy with a plantar fascia thing going on. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just hard for me to throw Correa into a middle infield slot when there's so many guys that I can get with like more combo guys, you know, yep. guys with more combo potential. And if I thought Correa was getting to like 30 plus homers, it'd be different. But yeah, I've usually filled like you and I both have talked about wanting to fill up our middle infield positions pretty early. And I don't think either one of us are letting it get to Correa too often. Okay, uh, 26 through 30. Uh, if you need a middle infielder here, there's, you know, there's a, a few more here. J.P. Crawford at 267, Zach Nito at 270, Jordan Lawler is at 308, Bryce Terang, aka Dollar General Nico Horner, as I called him on the second base shortstop <laughs> episode. He's at 324, and if you'd like to hear that joke, I, I mean, you just heard it, but that was discussed on the second base episode. And Ahmed Rosario, who was also discussed on the second base episode 330, so. Let's say you've just waited too long and you need a middle infielder and Crawford, Nito, and Lawler are there. Are you grabbing any of these three or are you just going to keep waiting further? Yeah, I actually I actually really like uh, Neto and Lawler both. Um, I have no interest in J.P. Crawford whatsoever. I know it's 267. As crazy as it sounds to me, that's way too high. Like I just, I'm not even looking at him when he goes. Uh, strong chase and whiff rates, but... Uh, 19 homers on 20 barrels. <laughs> I mean, J.P. Crawford is like no power, no speed with a walk rate and an uns- unsustainable like home run to barrel. You know, it just – I feel like he's about a 12 home run like four steal guy, you mm-hmm. know. So if that's what you want in your middle infield slot, go for it. But uh, Neto – and Lawler, I like both of them actually quite a bit here. Um, Neto, 22 first round pick. Uh, I I think one of the maybe the most shocking moment of the season last year for me was when he got called up. I was just I was stunned, couldn't believe it. Um, and he wasn't great on his call up, dealt with some injuries. Um, but I do feel like he has that combo potential, like I'm talking about. Their project the projection is 18 homers, 10 steals, uh, 250 batting average, which I think he could do. I think there's even room for upside from there. I think he's going to play every day, hit high in the lineup. Um, yeah, I like Neto quite a bit. And Lawler, uh, Lauder's, Lawler's probably a better prospect than Neto, but I'm a little less sure on the playing time, so I think that they're close. But uh, Lawler in A and A last year, excluding his – few games that he played the majors 20 homers 36 steals 
in only 105 games played. Strong K to walk. I think he's got a lot of upside. Right now, he's not showing in the lineup on roster resource. So if you feel like Geraldo Perdomo is going to hold that all season over Jordan Lawler, maybe you're right, but I have a hard time believing that. Um, I do think if you take a guy like Lawler, you just got to be aware that you want to make sure you've got somebody to fill in if he isn't getting the everyday at-bats right out of the gate. But I think he's going to get them at some point, and when he does, he has a potential to be a stud. So, yeah, Neto and Lawler I'm in on at this cost for sure. I think that they – like there's just not enough risk here, and I think there's plenty of reward. So, yeah, I like them both. Do you think uh, – I'm going to ask about Lawler first. Do you think he starts the year and like more or less likely that he starts the year up and playing? I don't think he's going to be up unless he's actually penciled in. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. I think it depends on spring. Yeah, I I'm think not, that's, I'm not, I'm not real confident, but I, I lean that he won't. And I think that might be why I'm not really too in on him at this price. I'm afraid that, um, he's just like, I don't, I don't know if he's quite ready yet, but I think by the second half of this year, he's going to be, and he's going to be really good. I think that's the way I look at it. And yeah, I don't like I I I'd like to get him kind of like you were talking when we were talking I think last week about take getting him before the reserve rounds but him being a guy you're drafting and sticking like you're able to put him on your bench. I I'm Well, yeah, like I mean if you if you think what you're saying, I I don't think where he's going is is bad really. No, I no. mean, he's going as like the 28th shortstop, you know? Nope. I mean, not at all. I'm not saying so. any of that to say I I wouldn't draft him. I do like Nito here. Um the one thing though I'll say on him is he feels like the last guy to get and you're almost playing a game of chicken if you're trying to get him. And um, honestly, I think the right move might be to wait on a guy like Nito. If you took like a Gunner Henderson in the second and third round, like if I was to take Gunner and I had that shortstop third base thing and I do like some corner infielders that are going around this range too. That way, if you miss Nito, you can always plug like plug Gunner into uh, your middle infield slot and go take yourself another corner. I, I like, I was thinking about just strategy and I thought that kind of made sense. If like, I wouldn't want to play chicken and wait too long and like hope I can get Nito and then all of a sudden miss out on him. And like, I don't really want to take anybody else after him as a middle infield slot. So that was just one of those thoughts that went through my head. I like Nito too. Yeah. The, these two guys that I, I think of um, with Neto, especially, and Lawler, I think, is a, is a little higher end of a prospect. But um, with Neto, I think of Matt McClain. Like, we're, uh, basically, one year ago right now, Neto and Matt McClain were, like, the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I mean, yeah, the difference was, was McClain was up, stayed healthier, and was quicker out of the gate. A lot of that, I think, was just the injuries, too, that Neto faced. But um, I, I guess what I'm saying is I think that there's a path with these guys to really be going way higher next season, like way higher, um, where they could fly past a ton of guys on this list just with health and, you know, you expect, 
young guys like this to make a few strides. And I think that they're both ticketed. Well, Neto especially ticketed for everyday playing time right out of the gate. And then once Lawler starts getting it, it's probably going to continue. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that a year from now when we're doing this, these guys are be going going to be going way higher than this. I agree with that. All right, well, let's talk about shortstops 31 through 45. So now we are talking about bench guys. Um, we Actually, uh, these are guys going between 330 and 500. We got Orlando Arcia at 332. We've Tim Anderson's 340. Ezekiel Duran, 362. Um, Mason Wynn, 366. Chris Taylor, 383. Uh, Javi Baez at 401. Zach McKinstry we've talked about. Livor Pro. La, I always struggle. You know, Paguero with Leo, Leo, Leo Paguero with Pittsburgh. Um, Geraldo Perdomo, we've talked about. John Birdie, third base shortstop at 430. Jose Caballero, Caballero with um, Tampa Bay, we've talked about. Marco Luciano at 468. Brayon Rocchio at 491. Ta- Taylor Walls um, got three different positions. I think we talked about it. He was, I brought him up. And then Colson Montgomery. So. Who are you eyeing on this list for a reserve round slot? Uh, I I drafted I actually drafted Ezekiel Duran in my current draft. Um, I've taken Chris Taylor. I mean, I like that triple eligibility in this range for sure because you're kind of getting right at the end of your uh starters reserves i think those guys you can move around enough and they can be useful for enough of the season that it can help um call me crazy but i like javi bias i like hmm. the cost yeah i don't i know it's like oh everybody's probably like oh my god javi bias sucks but that's also factored in here i <laughs> i think he's i think he's gonna play every day and like in a, specifically in a draft champions like in a in a draft and hold format um, I think he's going to play enough to matter here. Like I, I expect him to finish higher than this, but, um, yeah, Lee over Pagaro is interesting a little bit, a little bit of power and speed, but yeah, I, I don't think I've really drafted too much. I've got a Colson Montgomery or two, um, which I know is the last one you mentioned. He's, it's a little bit of a guess, but just with the team context in Chicago, I expect him to be up at some point, um, really at any point this season, whenever they decide he's ready, I think, because they just don't have enough guys that would be blocking him type of thing. But, um, yeah, nothing too overly exciting here. Um, I'm really curious to see what happens with Tim Anderson. I think that he could provide value here too. But, yeah, these are all like either really young guys or – really boring guys like there's not you kind of just have to pick your spots here i think tim anderson he's got a steamer projection of 10 homers 16 steals and a 280 average i don't know if i expect that but you know if those could happen for somebody at 340 that'd be a steal he also has to get signed by somebody and play but um and he was horrible last year so it's just i i don't know what to say on that one um, Mason win, you know, he's got a chance to, he had a chance at the end of 2023 playing 37 games and he didn't show a lot, but the Cardinals have said Tommy Edmond will be in center field to start 2024, which seems to give the belief that their plans is to go into 20, 
looked for with Win at shortstop. Like, what about Win? You you have you didn't list him there, so does that mean? Yeah, no, I I think he's kind of interesting. I I feel like he's just not going to have much, if any, power at all. But um, yeah, I don't mind him here. It's probably about the right area because a lot of these guys you're kind of taking flyers on, and not a ton of not most of them don't have a ton of power anyway. So if you can get like double digit homers and steals, I think that's probably a win here. Win, like a win here. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. Did. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't know where the power is, and I think he's going to be at the bottom of the lineup unless he just blows up. So I'm not jumping out to grab him either. Um, and then there's Luciano. He's like 100 picks later. And also right now seems to have a shot to enter 2024 as the shortstop in, short, in San Fran, which I didn't re- I didn't realize that was a reality, possible a possibility, I should say. Unless they were to bring somebody in, do you think there's any chance of him reaching any sort of potential this year? We've been talking about that guy since yeah. day almost Ooh. day one of this pod. Feels like feels like my son that uh, moved out of the house or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, Your son uh, that became a yeah 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 became a big problem. Yeah yeah, um, I, yeah. I think I think there's a chance. Yeah, I I don't. I feel like they should probably let him play and see what happens. I don't always trust the Giants to play the young guys. Like they just they just don't seem like they do it. Um, that doesn't mean they won't do it here, and that doesn't mean that they should do it here either. But yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be that shocked if he if he played and was semi productive. No. They're going to sign Tim Anderson, Andrew. They're going to be the team to do it. Yeah, they just they just always like <laughs> if you if you look at the Giants lineup at any point during a season, especially early in a season, I just I feel like it's all like 30 to 35 year olds that have just been around the block, you know? Like they're just how often are they playing a 22 year old prospect? Like mm-hmm. especially early on. I, again, that's not to say they won't do it here, but um yeah, it's it's kind of just weird to envision. It's not their MO. Yeah. All right, let's talk about guys, everybody after 500. I'm not listing them. I see a lot of minor league prospects on this list, which does which makes sense because shortstops where we see a lot of them listed as they're coming up through the minors. Are you seeking any of these guys out to snag or just anybody who who are you looking out at? Yeah, this it's a big long list here. I mean, generally once I'm at the, in this spot, I may be taking one in a draft. The one I've been getting the most is Matt Shaw. Um, and I think that I think he has a chance to help the Cubs this season. I've actually heard some rumblings about him playing at third base, mm-hmm. which would get him which would get him to the bigs faster. Uh, I would assume that if anything happens to Horner or Swanson, he could be in there even sooner, you know, middle infield, but uh, if they have plans for him at third base short term, that could be a path to him uh, him getting some at bats. So yeah, he's he's been my guy in a lot of in a lot of drafts, like round thirty five to forty, just as a middle infield filler and a guy that I, I think I would use, you know, once he's up. But obviously, you know, you're you're guessing a little bit as to when that is. I don't mind if your guy is like Luis Angel Acuna or Jackson Merrill instead or. You know, there's a lot of uh, Brooks Lee 
Brooks Lee might be a good one to take if you took like Julian, Correa, mm. Polanco, any of them specifically draft and hold. But I mean, you're not drafting these guys in non-draft and hold. Uh, Wander wouldn't even draft them. We don't have to go too deep into that. But I know we've, I've mentioned that many times. I I wouldn't take them in the fiftieth round. Um, I don't think. Feel free to bring up anybody you want. I don't. I don't think I've taken any of these other guys that I'm I'm seeing here. Well, I've done three drafts so far, and I've taken Matt Shaw on all three. So. I'm, nice. I'm kind of with you on that. I've drafted Brooks Lee once, uh, took Edward Julian in the same spot in a draft and hold last year, and it worked out. One injury, and yeah, like you were saying, Brooks Lee could be getting a shot. Aurelvis Martinez I've taken um, after disastrous April in the minors. He got it together. He's potential for a 30 home run bat, and as of now, like you were talking early in the episode, the Blue Jays haven't added anyone at third base yet besides Isaiah Kiner-Falafa, so it seems like they could either add somebody, but Still add somebody, but I wonder if they're keeping that spot open for like an Arelvis. Um, <clears throat> let's see. What about Jorge Mateo and Adalberto Mondesi? Both of these guys were huge for owners in the past as rabbits collecting steals at like insane prices. Now way down here, is there any hope left for either of these two rabbits? I mean, I don't. I don't think too much. I, I think I did take. Mondesi in the RM draft and hold, but yeah, just like I think with those guys, you're pretty much just taking them, thinking if there's ever a point where you need a speed bump and you have some inju- injuries, you just uh, throw them in there and maybe they help you there, but I don't think you can expect much. You know, one guy you have listed here that I, I think could be uh, – a surprising one that comes up sooner than people think that is just ignored completely is uh, Carson Williams for, yeah. for the, for the race. And the reason I say that is, well, <laughs> the obvious one is the wander situation, but also too, he's an elite defender. And if you look at their current depth chart, I don't know, like, there's nobody really that's playing shortstop. I mean, it shows Jose Caballero as the starter, which, I mean, maybe they're using Caminero there. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also got DH that's kind of open. I mean, Carson Williams won't play DH. He'll play shortstop when he's up because he's their that, – that's my point, I guess. He's their best defensive shortstop, and that's a big deal, you know. So I, I could see uh, a scenario where we get like a couple months down the line and it's like, oh, Carson Williams could make the team. Like I wouldn't be that surprised by that. It doesn't seem like anybody's talking or thinking about that, but I've thought about it a little bit just with everything going on and how good of a defender he is. And he's been pretty good. And um, yeah, I, I could see that. It's like a long shot bet, but you know what I mean? I, it's obviously a super late pick here. But I don't mind him at like the tail end of a draft and hold. Man, Wander just killed that team. Like their plans, and so much. And and we've talked about this before. But if you have him in the dynasty league, like he just you cut, he, gotta he, cut him. He killed. I mean, what he did is awful. And we, but just like 
man, he he like he really hurt that franchise. They finally the Rays, who don't spend on anybody, finally go out and give somebody a 15-year contract and say, "We're going to build around you." All these dynasty owners, I mean, he's their best player. And yeah, I should say, would you cut him in a dynasty? dynasty? Yeah. Like this year, you know, you get to cut day, say April 1st. Probably. I, I, I would imagine I would, unless I just have an absolutely awful team with dead spots in my major league slots. And then maybe I wouldn't, but I mean, they'd have to be dead slots. Yeah. And I mean, at that point you may be even trying to tank and then at least you're getting, you're getting nothing out of them. It's so crazy to think about like just, yeah, goes from being, goes from being a top 10 asset essentially to nothing. Let's close this out here. Short stops that I think I'll have the most shares of this year, Andrew. What what's your answer? Uh, I will say I, I don't mind the guys at the top. Besides, like I said, I'm not in love with Trey, but it's only like a few picks off. I would say O'Neill Cruz for sure, and then probably Neto and Lawler are my other two. I I don't mind uh, Swanson Volpe, like even. Like Bogart, Swanson, Volpe, Story, like that group. Um, I don't. I don't even hate getting Adamas or Tovar either. I, I kind of like that whole run, but definitely wouldn't want to go past that with shortstop. And then, like I said, I like Neto and Waller late. Yeah, for me, it's Story and Dansby Swanson. I think those are the two that I'll have the most shares of Story specifically. Um. And then shortstops I want no part of. Obviously, Abrams is on my list. I'm actually going to put Volpe as another. I think I said I don't hate his price, and I forgot to say this when I talked about Story, but I feel like I'm taking Story two or three rounds later and getting a similar player, maybe even slightly better. So I I think I would wait on Volpe for that reason. Yeah, I wrote down down Abrams and Jeremy Pena. Because once... Once I get to Jeremy Pena, I'm just I'm just waiting for Neto and Lawler at that point. Yep. So. Is, so is there a line really that you look at in terms of like shortstops where it's like I want to have my shortstop picked here or my middle infielder picked here? Uh, usually for me, what's been coming up in drafts is if I don't get O'Neill Cruz, I'm paying real close attention after that because I don't want it to go too far past I mean it can go past that obviously but you know like I said they're they're coming off the board you know like pretty quick so uh I would say you mean like just for a shortstop or for a middle infielder I'm talking about both of them here so you can give me two different answers shortstop I would say like the Swanson Volpe area. Yep, that's that was basically. And then and then middle I I'm totally fine with like Neto as my middle infielder. Um so yeah, most of the guys that we went through when we got to that point at least. If I thought, uh, I'd be I'd be okay with If I felt like I had a strong second baseman and took like a middle second one at middle infield, I could wait and see if I land the story at shortstop or even a little longer. Um, maybe at that um, Adamas, or I guess that's around the, that spot. I don't really want to go too much later. Um, 
again, just like I said before, I think my theme is I really want to get middle infield plugged up pretty early. I don't like going too late on these positions. I like Nito. I just wish, like, if I just feel like I'm playing a game of chicken if I get back to that area and I don't yeah. get him, I'm going to hate my middle infielder. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good, too, to, like, I'll usually do, like, with team con- just a team construction thing, but, like, I'll take, you know, if my middle infielder is a shortstop or if my middle infielder probably less likely is a second baseman, I'll kind of take the other one as like my fourth, you know, to have a guy to maybe sub in and out. I mean, like if you're taking your middle infielder in round 16 through 18 or something like that, there's probably a decent chance, especially if he's in a little slump or something that you're kind of rotating that spot anyways. So, but I'm also, I'm also not opposed to taking, like Seeger and O'Neill Cruz. No. And just going and just going high on the position, you know. Um, I'm not opposed to that either. So No, I get a little scared about the you know, making sure you get enough outfielders, but I I feel like I can wait on corner infield a little longer if need be. So I'm not opposed to that either. Even though I tend to find myself liking some of these values of the third baseman. And we'll talk about that when we talk about third base here next on our position previews but third base and first seems like ones i'm a little more comfortable waiting on than yeah field the big thing i would just say kind of like we mentioned earlier with with the short stops and middle infielders is just be aware of the steals upside that you can get out of whoever you're drafting or you know what what you're looking at steals wise. And, and like I said, I I'm more of a power. I, I'm focused on power pretty much throughout the draft. But if you take like, you don't really want to pair like this is self-explanatory, but you don't really want to pair like Seager and JP Crawford oh, or C or Seager and Correa where you're getting, you've got two slots and you're not getting any steals out of it. And there's spots where ev- most everybody's getting steals out of these spots. I mean, let's be real, you know. So if if you're doing that, I guess it's possible to make it work, but you've really got to focus that. You've got to have a plan for your other spots. It's not like catchers giving you a lot of steals. It's not like first base. Most of them are no, giving you it's, steals. It's outfield. Most right. Most third basemen aren't giving you steals. There's a few, but not many. So you really just have to kind of pick and choose and I tend to lean more at this position on guys that I think can give me the steals and I know like if I'm going to take Corey Seager I'm already kind of thinking about it's just it's just in my head just a little bit you know I'm not saying I wouldn't take him but I'm just you have to think about that stuff yep team construction building and stuff yep you got to get your steals somehow yeah Okay, well, I think that's going to wrap a bow on shortstop, and that means our next position we have is third base, where we get to talk about a lot of corner. There's a lot of fun corner infielders, some veterans, some young ones. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I actually I feel like third base is a lot deeper than it's been Agreed. in the past. 
we were definitely talking about this a couple of years ago about how we like third base. It felt like you wanted to get one early just because it sucked by the yeah. time you got to the 10th round and stuff. And I do not feel that way. And we'll be talking all yeah. about that. Yeah. There's, there's definitely, um, there's definitely guys a ways down that I like. So yeah, yep. excited to get into it. Yep. And we appreciate you all listening and we'll be back here in just a few days and we'll be talking about third base and until then take care everybody yeah take care guys thanks again for listening to the baseball 365 podcast with justin hughes and andrew mcquiston be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode along with quick links to facebook and twitter if you have a question a comment or a suggestion we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 